Carden. Blair. All right, buddy. Episode 39. We've almost hit the 40 mark, which is pretty impressive, actually. Knocking on 40's door. I know. That's uh, hey. pretty much 40 weeks as of next week that uh, yeah. without interruption. Pretty much straight Yeah, on. I know. That's awesome. That's awesome. I need a vacation. I'm going to put in a leave request. <laughs> a leave request and just um, <laughs> see if I can get it approved through you. Um, I just need no, a couple a of weeks just to reset, recenter. I thought you just had a vacation. No, it doesn't sound right. I'll have to check my that, books, but I'm not, I'm not exactly That wasn't a sure. real vacation? No, no, uh, no. I need a vacation what, for my vacation, right? Oh, okay, okay. Um, so, buddy, uh, today's episode, we this is something we've been talking about for a long time. Yes, a long time. I'm super excited. Um, but before we, before we get into that, um, follow up on last week's uh, podcast about life balance. Yeah. Um, you know what? Uh, I think that was a, I think that was a really good conversation and it was, it was kind of funny because after we talked about, I thought of a lot more stuff to, you know, to talk about. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. You know, because it's one of those things that, um, you know, like we said during the podcast is, you know, unless you really give time and think about it, um, you kind of don't think about it. No, you don't. But if you, if you take the time to ruminate and think about it, especially <laughs> here's the thing, especially when in a podcast format, it's a little bit different because we kind of do the, the external, but when you're self-reflecting and do the internal look, you can be like, okay, this is out of balance. You know, stuff that I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd be privy to share <laughs> in a podcast format that you kind of internally go, okay, yes, that is, that's out of, that's out of balance. And that's something that I can focus on, you know, this week to try to, to nudge back where it belongs. Right. Well, I, I think that was kind of the, the thing that occurred to me after, and I was actually, it was when I was typing up the description for the episode, you know, and it, it is how much that, you know, it changes all the time, right? Yeah. It, it constantly yeah. in, in constantly. with life and with events that happen in life and with circumstances and, you know, but it, it is a constantly changing, you know, and, and so it makes it really hard to, to kind of find this. I mean, when you think of balance, you think of you found this, this fine-tuned center point, you know, and once mm-hmm. you're there, you're good, but life doesn't quite work like that. No, it certainly doesn't. And what you could be in balance, you know, on Tuesday and Wednesday, something happens that throws your world for a loop that you weren't prepared for it. You know what I mean? And yep. then all of a sudden back to the drawing board for sure. So, you know, and I, I guess with that in mind, I guess the biggest thing is just to be aware of it. You know, I mean, really, because, yep. you know, odds are you're not going to find a balance point that lasts forever. But I think the the bottom line, and as I thought about it, it, it kind of you know, the, the moral of the story is to be aware of it, to be aware of when you're kind of out of balance and, you know, getting pulled more one way than you really want to. So, yeah, um, certainly. And, and especially too, something we didn't talk much about, but when you're sharing your life with somebody that they need to be in the conversation, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. It's significant other or, or anyone that, that you, you know, have a significant relationship with. It's, it's good to have that conversation with because you could find out really quick Hey, our, our priorities don't align and that could be, you know, a source yep. of conflict for sure. Nope. Agreed. Um, okay. So episode 39, uh, we have a special guest, uh, Carden. Today we have Christine Sumner and you're saying, well, who's Christine Sumner? Mm-hmm. Is that what you're going to say? That's what I was good. How did you, do, <laughs> how did you know that? <laughs> well, Christine is a paranormal investigator, dude. Oh. Okay. And she is the founder of Soul Sisters Paranormal. And you can, you can read more about them at soulsistersparanormal.com. So I'm, I know you are too. We are very excited. So very excited. Christine, welcome. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me. 
Well, we're, we're very excited to have you. So um, why don't you start off, Christine? Now, do you want to go by Christy or Christine? Christine works or Christy, whichever one. Um, I answered okay. it both. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Christy well, works. We'll go with Christy. Okay. Okay. Christy, why don't you just kind of give us, you know, a little bit of uh, history and your background and, and kind of tell us who you are. Absolutely. Well, as you said, my name is Christy Sumner, and I'm the founder of Soul Sisters Paranormal, and uh, we're an all-female paranormal investigation group made up of myself, my twin sister, our younger sister, and then two female family friends. And we started in 2014 really as a girls' trip. Uh, we're all from different parts of the country, so we decided to um, you know, get together a few times a year to go to unique locations. And in 2014, we had the opportunity to go to Moundsville, West Virginia, and stay the night in the West Virginia State Penitentiary, which is one of the most haunted locations in the country. And we did a, you know, a very rudimentary investigation at that location. We just had some voice recorders and some you know, night vision cameras. And we left that experience with what we felt was such compelling evidence of, uh, uh, of unexplained activity that we really wanted to delve more into this. And so we decided to form Soul Sisters Paranormal. And now we go across the country to historic and uh, reportedly haunted locations. And we tell the historical narrative of those locations, as well as report any of our paranormal activity that we find. Wow. That, okay, so I, I got to back up a little bit because I, I, I already have a question. Did you have an avid interest in paranormal prior to the prison trip? Or is that what kind of sparked this whole thing? No, we always had a fascination with the paranormal. Um, my sisters and I would routinely watch, you know, some of the popular television shows like Ghost Adventures or Ghost Hunters and such. And but we'd mm -hmm. say to ourselves, you know, why didn't they ask this question or why didn't they go to this location or stay longer here or try this technique? So we always told ourselves if we had the opportunity to go on a paranormal investigation or to conduct one, we would absolutely jump, jump at that chance. And um, so in 2014, like I said, we had um, we went to Moundsville again for that girl trip and we had a family friend that sat on the board of the West Virginia State Penitentiary and he said you know while you're here why don't you just stay the night in the prison one of those nights and we did um, and it, it really <laughs> it was an interesting experience again you know it's so different from what you see on popular television shows um, and uh, but it, like I said the things that we found were so compelling to us you know, for example there were footsteps running at us through the darkness when we knew that there was nobody in the corridor. We had uh, door slamming, uh, footsteps running up the stairs and that sort of thing. So it was a very unique experience. And, and, and every investigation that we've done since then has just been one that's been um, fascinating just because of the history, but also for the paranormal activity. Wow. That is, uh, Carden, the, Mar the Marriott's full. Um, we're gonna put you guys up at the abandoned yeah, yeah, prison, yeah. known, oh, oh, known really? for being haunted. It's a five star. It's a five star. Oh, that sounds really good. Um, the footsteps. Um, uh, that's, so, were you? I, I got to ask you, and, and kind of caveat on that question: Were you prone to any of these experiences prior to the 2014 experience? Well, we've always had a belief in the paranormal, but I, I wouldn't say that we've ever that we ever experienced anything um, that we would consider paranormal prior to that. Um, it, it's just one of those things that we've always been fascinated by. Um, but you know, it was one of those things that we also wanted to research more. Um, we all come from mm -hmm. a research-minded background. We all have advanced degrees, so we really wanted to see if we could use those um, that 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 background to really bring a sense of professional and a sense of research into a community that, you know, to some extent lacked both. Um, so, it's, it, again, it's one of those things where we 
we we go in with a healthy skepticism to all of the locations that we investigate and we Mm -hmm. again we use that research background to really go in first to try to debunk some of the the paranormal claims um we'll go in and we'll actually uh you know look for environmental factors first such as you know noise pollution light pollution um anything like that that could explain some of these uh reported occurrences and then absence that what we're left with is what we call the unexplainable um and that's what we present in in our videos that we put out there um but you know to answer your question we've always had a belief but i I wouldn't say that there was one specific thing that stuck out that stuck out as as being paranormal in our past right okay i gotcha you know you know we're we're big movie guys here so Mm -hmm. like you know the movies would say that something big happened when you were a kid and all of a sudden you're chasing ghosts but it's actually good to hear that you're going in with a healthy skepticism i think that's that's Mm -hmm. really really interesting Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, you know, that's kind of like our style. Um, if you watch any of our videos, what we do first is we go in and we tell the historical narrative of these locations that we're visiting, uh, because the history really drives what we do. Uh, you know, we, we get to have this very tactile experience with these historical locations. And by that, I mean, you know, I get to put my hands on the walls of, of Fort Mifflin, which is a Revolutionary War fort, or walk the stairs of the St. Augustine Lighthouse, or, you know, walk on the floors of the Lizzie Borden House. And so we get to experience these things in, in a different um, setting than most people who visit them um, get to do. So we really put forth that narrative first, that historical narrative of what we're seeing, what we're feeling, um, and then we'll go in and do that investigation, again, controlling for everything that we can control. And as I said before, what we're left with is what we call unexplained. Okay, Chrissy, I have two questions. The first mm-hmm. one, uh, what is your background? You, you said you had an advanced degree. What is your, mm-hmm. your degree background? I have a PhD in public affairs with an emphasis on criminal justice. Um, my uh, actual professional background is um, in biometrics for aviation access control. So I, I worked in various airports across the country for years, and then I was a college professor at Metro State College of Denver and at the University of Central Florida. Wow, interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, and and I'm I'm, I'm trying to I guess. <laughs> I'm trying to correlate the supernatural, the paranormal in with any of those. It doesn't really seem to fit. You know, you have very scientific, you know, numbers driven type background, but mm-hmm. um, actually that makes it even more interesting. So the, my second question is, you mentioned that you wanted to ask questions that people weren't asking. And what were those, I mean, what were the questions that you felt like weren't being addressed initially? Well, when we go into these locations, we really approach it as we're trying to communicate with any spirit there that wants to tell their story. And so we'll go in with that mindset of respect for the the individuals that used to, to, to be alive, um, that have a spirit that's for some reason remaining. And so for us, it really felt like some of the popular television shows at the time were really driven more by sensationalism, right? So they would go in mm-hmm. and either attempt to provoke um, or classify something as a demon without really trying to tell the story um, of one of the location and then two of the entities that are said to reside there. And so for us, it was more about coming into a, an area and asking more personal questions, if you will. So, you know, kind of getting to 
to the to the answers of why they're still there. Um, so, for example, when we investigated Fort Mifflin in Philadelphia, which is an amazing location, it's a Revolutionary War fort, um, and um, there was a, through our research, we found the names of several individuals that were actually on the fort and or in the fort, and they actually died in the fort. Um, one of them was a gentleman by the name of William Howe. So we went into that location and actually sat down and asked questions that were specifically um, geared to try to get a response from William Howe, um, such as, you know, we know your wife's name was this, and, uh, you know, we know that you were um, subjected to solitary confinement, so it, would you like some water, would you like some cigarettes, or can we bring you some food? Stuff like that, more on a, like I said, a more of a personal level um, than, than trying to get an overall response from any entity that's there. We try to bring it down into a more personal level. And very wow. and, and, do, and do you feel like you've received responses? I think that we do um, for two reasons. One, b- because we're an all-female team, I think we go in with kind of a different sense of empathy uh, than an all-male team or a co-ed team would do. Uh, and I think that's just by the nature of being female, right? I'm not saying that we're empaths per sure. se, but I think we go in with yeah. a sense of empathy that's a little bit different, um, especially if there's children or women involved. Um, and then the second, as I said before, we, we really try to um, – ask questions that are germane to that individual or to that location. So when you come down and, and, and really approach it on that, when you personalize it, I do think it allows us to get better responses. Um, for example, the second time we went to West Virginia State Penitentiary, you know, we we're, we we're more versed in what we're doing and, and, and had a different uh, investigation style. So through our research, we found that there was a, a prisoner in um, West Virginia State Penitentiary. His name was Red Snyder bad guy. He was, uh, he was on death row. He had murdered some people. Um, he was the leader of the Aryan Brotherhood, um, really ran the, the gangs there in West Virginia State Penitentiary. So he was in um, the, a solitary confinement cell. But during his stay, he had two vices in life. The first one was tobacco. And the second one was watching Days of Our Lives. So every day they would wheel a television into uh, into in front of his cell, and they'd allow him to watch Days of Our Lives, and then they'd wheel the TV back. And so because of that, through that research, I really wanted to personalize our investigation and, and personalize it to him. So I downloaded an episode of Days of Our Lives onto a laptop, and I put it in his cell, and I let it run. We let it run for an hour. We we went off to another location, and I just let the, the episode run in his cell for an hour so he could watch it. And when we came back, um, we started asking questions. The, the laptop was off at that point. And I said, uh, did you see the things that we had left for you? And we got a male's voice saying yes. And um, and so then we were asking some more questions. And at the end of the session, I said, thank you. And behind me, a voice said, no, thank you. And we captured that on the voice recorder while we were there. And we captured that entire session um, on, on video and audio recorders while we were there. And so because of that, because I, I think in my mind, because we really personalized it to him, um, he acknowledged that by giving us a response. Wow. Okay, so what, what I know what's going Ooh. through my mind right now, right? <laughs> uh, what, so, but it, and I'm just like very far removed. What, what is the sensation like when you're there and in the moment? What is going through your head? I know you're kind of yeah, you're you're yeah, in it, exactly. but I mean, how are you feeling when this is taking place? 
it, it really is a unique experience. It's a really unique feeling. Um, so for just just for Moundsville specifically, you know, you're in this location um, that had the worst of the worst prisoners in the state of West Virginia. It was built in 1876, and it was in operation until 1995. And so it's all the worst of the worst. And you're there in the pitch darkness. Um, you hear things that that are not supposed to be happening, right? Door slamming, footsteps um, running at you or away from you. Um, in some cases, you're hearing different noises through the night. Um, so it is a very creepy environment to be in. Um, but yes. it's, it's it's not one. But but when you're yeah. when you're in it, when you're in the moment, and you're trying to find these answers, and you're coming at it from a research standpoint. It's actually fascinating, um, you know, because it's one of those where we want to find out what's causing this stuff to happen. We want to find out the answers. Um, so, yeah, it, and, and you're also in complete darkness. So uh, even though we use night vision and you see night vision on our videos, what we're seeing is complete darkness. Um, so it is. It's a, it's a different feeling because you're using different senses. You're using your hearing yeah. more so than your sight. Um, smell is a, is a very big thing as well. Um, but for us, like I said, we find it fascinating to be in these, these situations. So, so fear, fear isn't really something, I mean, I haven't heard you say once that you're scared. We've been startled um, a, a lot, and a lot of occasions. I mean, you can't sit in a in a room or a cell block and hear something slam and not be startled. Um, and you do have those <laughs> yeah. oh crap moments. Um, but we've never run out of a location. We've never, you know, screamed and, and picked up all of our equipment and ran. That's really not not what we do. Um, but yeah, like I said, when you hear a voice out of thin air, when there's no, when you know that there's nobody in front of you, um, that it, it does it, it raises the hair on the back of your neck and you're. you're your hearing gets extremely acute, and uh, you're waiting for for something else to happen. Though it's it's fascinating. Uh, yeah, you don't you don't say. Yeah. <laughs> go go yes, figure. Uh, go yeah, figure. I can uh, I can definitely I can <laughs> see how that you would uh, you would feel that way. Right. So it sounds like in this last experience that you described, um, almost like a very positive response to the mm -hmm. research and and what you did. Have you have you seen the opposite? Have you seen negative responses? There have been locations where I'll say it feels darker and, and not in a negative standpoint. Like I'm not, I'm not saying it's demonic or, or negative. Mm. It's darker mm -hmm. from the standpoint of the location, if that makes sense. And we really okay. feel those in places like prisons and jails. And I think it's because they weren't such great places when they were in operation, right? You, you don't have mm -hmm. most, most of your prisoners aren't happy go lucky prisoners. They're, they're in an environment that is meant to be a depressive state. And so because of that, when we go into something like Moundsville or Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary or the old Gilcrest County Jail, um, you do have a sense of something being a little darker, but it's never been anything that I would consider threatening. Um, I've never mm -hmm. felt threatened. Anybody on the team has never felt threatened. We've never been harmed physically in any way. Um, there have been moments that um, we'll go back and, and listen to our audio and watch our video where if I would have seen it or heard it in the moment, it, it would have, I would have set up and take, take really taken notice of it. Um, for example, yeah. we were in um, old Gilcrest County Jail. And, and let me just back up. When we go to these locations, what we do first is we'll take a day tour and we'll scout out all of the locations where we want to leave stationary equipment during the night. Um, so stationary voice recorders and stationary cameras. Um, and we'll also look for those environmental factors like street lights, you know, we'll look for train traffic or, or listen for airplane noise and stuff like that. So we can rule mm -hmm. out those environmental factors. 
So we were at um, Old Gilcrest County Jail, and we had some voice recorders set up in, in all the cells. And when I went back, and after we had done the investigation, and I went back and listened to it, um, we were leaving one of the cells and going to another location, and the voice recorder picked up a male's voice saying, kill them. Um, so that really had Ooh. me set up and taking notice when I when I heard it, um, but we didn't hear it <laughs> yeah. in the moment. It was, it was one of those that we just captured on audio and we didn't hear in the moment. Um, so when you hear oh. things like that, it's a little startling, but uh, you know, again, it's it's also fascinating because you you've uh, got I this. I love how you describe that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, it's we're, slightly you know we stand up and take notice. It's a little, <laughs> it's a little startling. It, it <laughs> reminds me of the famous scene in Amityville Horror where they're like, "Get out!" and they're like, <laughs> yeah. "Okay, yeah, yeah, good enough." Yeah, good <laughs> <laughs> so, so Christy, um, okay, so this is a question I've had for a long time, and it, it, it may be tough to answer specifically. I just want your take on it. Mm-hmm. So when you go to a place like those prisons and you find entities that are there, why are they there? I mean, why aren't they at Disney World? Why, aren't they, <laughs> why don't they leave? You know, I mean, what is it, what is your belief on why do they have to remain in a place that was so negative? Why wouldn't they get out of there? Well, first of all, I don't think that they have to remain. I think they remain, personally, I think they remain because they're comfortable. It's what they're used to. Um, I don't believe that an entity is actually tied to a specific location. I do think that they have the the freedom of, of movement, if you will. Um, and, and the best example I can give to that is um, uh, we investigated the Ma Barker House, which is in Central Florida. Um, and, and this is the location of the 1935 shootout between uh, Ma and Fred Barker and members of the FBI. And, in, and right. it, was a, it was a shootout that lasted four and a half hours which culminated in Ma and Fred being killed. Um, so in, in that location um, is interesting because in 2014, the, the house was actually moved from the original shootout location. It was put on a barge and floated across uh, the lake, Lake Weir there, to another location, mm-hmm. and that's where it sits. Um, so when we went to investigate that house, we found that there was activity that we couldn't explain, and I do believe it's the spirits of Ma and Fred. Um, they... They died in the house, yes, um, but you would think that they would have stayed with the land um, rather than the house. Um, so mm-hmm. so what what my finding there is, is that they moved with the house because that was the last place they died and that's where they were comfortable. And I think that's mm-hmm. the same thing that we're seeing with the, with the prisons, right? Um, my theory as to why they're staying in the prisons is because they probably have a fear of retribution of whatever's coming next. Um, so whatever that next ascension level is, um, they just don't want to go to because they, they're afraid that they're going to be um, f- facing the repercussions for the life they lived when they were alive. Uh, and that, I think that's the, the, those are the spirits that we talk to in prisons. Um, I don't think that's the main reason why all spirits stay. I do think that there is um, others that have unfinished business um, that's not tied to anything um, that, is, uh, th- that is negative in any way. They just have unfinished business that, that has to be fulfilled. Um, and then for another reason, I think that they may be stuck. They, they know that they're dead, um, but they can't find a way to whatever's next. And I think I see, we see that a lot with kids, um, the spirits of children. Um, they know that they're dead, uh, but they just can't find a way to move on to whatever's next. Um, so those are my main theories behind that. Well, well, and, and did you, so you, you kind of mentioned unfinished business and mm-hmm. again, you know, speculation, what do you think some of the 
not negative, not necessarily negative, like you said, but just unfinished business and in general, what do you think is, is holding, um, these spirits as you described back? I think it varies. Um, so for an example of this one, um, my, my granddaddy passed in 1986 and he was married to my Nana. Um, and you know, they, they had a, a, a really deep love. They're very, very close, but he died unexpectedly in 1986. Um, and in 2016, I had a very, very, vivid dream. It was probably the most vivid dream I've ever had in my life. And granddaddy came to me in the dream and he said, uh, and it was a very specific place in this house that they used to live. And that was, that was depicted in my dream. And he said to me, he said, I'm waiting for your Nana. You're going to be getting a call soon. And about two weeks later, my Nana was in an accident. She fell and broke her hip and, um, she never really, she was 94. She never really recovered from that. So she ended up going into hospice and, uh, about three weeks later she passed. And on on the day that she passed, we we were still sitting in the hospice room. Um, and I looked at my sister and I said, I know where she's going. She's going to go meet granddaddy in in the house in that spot that was depicted in my dream so i asked my family if we could take some equipment and go do a quick experiment and they said sure so we took a couple of of handheld meters that are designed to measure electromagnetic energy so we went to the house and um one of these meters is gray and one of these meters is black and we're standing there and i said nana are you here if you're here light up these lights on these meters and they started going off and i said Hmm. to confirm that it's you can you just go to the gray meter and just the gray meter lit off went off and i said okay stop that now go just to the black meter and just the black meter went off and so through a series of questions we were able to determine what i felt was nana had met up with granddaddy in that spot and after and because once they met up they ascended to what's next and, and i'm a christian so i'll say heaven and so they ascended to that that because about two weeks later we went back into the exact same experiment and nothing we we had no readings we felt nothing so in my mind granddaddy's unfinished business was he was waiting on nana um, and then after that they met up and they moved on together so i don't expect to you know, see the or feel the spirits of, of Nana and Granddaddy anymore because I think they've moved on. So that's my example of, of somebody's unfinished business, right? They're waiting for something to be fulfilled. So, so Christy, um, something you just said kind of spawned a question. Um, as a Christian, mm-hmm. does your faith, do you think, does that kind of jaundice your view a little? No, actually, I, I think based on what we're doing, and, and since we've been doing this, um, my faith has is, is actually been strengthened by this. Um, you know, I, I, I think that it doesn't have to be separated. You, you can be a Christian or, or, or somebody of faith and still believe in the paranormal. Um, if, sure. if you also start from the premise that energy cannot be created or destroyed, we have to go somewhere. Right. Something happens to us when we die, that, that essence of right. us, that, that's that energy essence. Um, and in my mind, I, so because I'm a Christian, I do believe that heaven is the next realm, but I don't think that it's instantaneous for everybody. Um, I think that there, like I said before, I think there are some reasons why there are those that, that remain behind that, that are closer to that veil that can communicate with us. Um, but no, my paranormal investigation experience has actually strengthened my belief um, uh, my, my Christian belief. Hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you mentioned, um, many prisons that you've been to. Um, mm-hmm. what are some, and the, I think the revolutionary war site you said as well, what, what are some of the other locations that you visited? 
Yeah, Fort Mifflin uh, is the Revolutionary War Fort. And again, that's just a fascinating location just for the history. So I encourage anybody just to go there and take a, a day tour um, because it really is a, a fascinating location. Um, so that was a great investigation for us. We've been to Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary in uh, Petros, Tennessee. Um, we've been to uh, the, the Gilcrest County Jail in Trenton, Florida, which is about an hour's west of Gainesville, Florida. Um, we've been to the Moundsville, uh, West, Vir- uh, Moundsville west Virginia Penitentiary. Um, we've been to uh, the Hamilton County Jail, which is in uh, in Florida, Hamilton County, Florida. Um, and I'm actually coming to you right now from a, a jail in uh, Huntsville, Tennessee that was built in 1904. I'm, I'm sitting in here right now in the booking room. Um, this <laughs> <laughs> this is the jail that, uh, that my friend Miranda and I were actually starting a business out of this jail. Um, so we'll be actually hosting uh, paranormal tours as well as a, a historical museum out of this location. So um, j- wow. jails are very interesting. Prisons are very interesting. Um, and, and again, just the history behind them um, and the experiences in them um, really tend to lead toward interesting, unexplained activity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so you mentioned a door slamming in footsteps. So that's kind of indicative of a physical manifestation, mm-hmm. right? Um, when you hear a door slam, is the door actually slamming or is it just the sound of a door slamming? Both. And that's a great question. Um, there's actually been cases of both. Um, there, ha- Especially in Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary, um, we've, we've actually seen a door being shut um, and, and obviously the, the sound that accompanied that. Um, but we also mm-hmm. have what we call residual hauntings. Um, and these are essentially, uh, the way I can explain it is if you have a record, like a, a, a vinyl record, and there's a scratch in that record, every time that scratch hits, hits the needle, it's going to jump. Um, so this mm-hmm. th- that's the same thing as, as, as kind of like a, a residual haunting. That's the blip in time, right? So every time that that essentially that time blip hits, you're going to get this residual noise. And um, so there's been ca- there's been times where we've set up cameras and it, that that will shoot down a cell block, and you actually hear the slamming of a door, but nothing nothing you don't see anything move. Um, so those we we have we've seen both of those um, uh, the actual physical slamming of a door and actually just hearing it, which is, again, is, I, I think is residual. Mm-hmm. Are there yeah. um, specific locations or experiences that, that stick out in your mind as these, these are the, the big ones. And somebody says, Hey, Oh, you do that. Can you, you know, describe what are, what are the, the top, you know, the top um, experiences that you, you're like, Oh, this was something that um, was like almost mind changing. <laughs> uh, well, one that, that kind of jumps out at me when you ask that question is um, we were at the Grand Old Lady Hotel, which is in Balsam, North Carolina. And this host- this hotel was built in 1905 as part of the railway system. And it's a grand hotel. It's three stories. It has about 100 guest rooms. It has a large ballroom, a large sitting room. Um, and it's been maintained in that condition since 1905. So the current owner... Um, there's never been any televisions in the room, no radios in the room. It's it's very much maintained in that historical setting, that his, historical state, as it was in 1905. And so we investigated there, and it was just myself, my twin sister, and Miranda from Ghost Biker Explorations. She was collaborating on this investigation with us. And we had the entire property for an entire weekend. And so... 
Miranda really did her investigation on Friday night, and uh, and then Jenny and I did our investigation for Soul Sisters on Saturday night. Even though all three of us were in the in the the building at the time, um, so when when Miranda was investigating, she was she was getting children's voices, she was getting um, footsteps that she was hearing, knocks and so on and so forth, and that was Friday night. And then Saturday night, Jenny and I were investigating, and uh, we we had some of the same experiences, uh, but we also were up on the third floor. And we said, we just kind of asked the question, you know, you, you can absolutely move something if you're here. And we heard this loud crash from downstairs. And so we went downstairs and a table had been overturned in one of the guest rooms, um, completely sitting upside down. And uh, it was not like that before. And then we were in the kitchen and we said, uh, you know, we're it, it's rolling on about two o'clock. And I said something about, you know, if you're here, just just let us know. Just give us a sign that you're here. And the coffee pot turns on. And then, so also, so other things had happened that night. Um, and so that, that the night that we stayed there, Saturday night, we all, the three of us decided to sleep in one of the rooms um, adjacent to the most haunted, quote unquote, haunted hallway in the building. Um, and, and so it's a, the room that we decided to sleep in was a suite. So there was one door only one entry and exit door into the room itself, but the room had a small outer room and then an interior room. So Miranda was sleeping in the outer room and Jenny and I were sleeping in the interior room. And we had set up a night vision video camera in the hallway, just outside the door. And we had a night vision video camera on the inside of the door. So we could see both sides of the door. And then we all had a a voice recorder by our beds on the nightstand beside the beds. So about 15 minutes after we had said goodnight, you hear us say goodnight, and about 15 minutes later, there's a man's voice right outside the door, and he says, please don't go. And we all heard it. Everything that we had recording captured it, um, but there was nobody there because I can I, I verified it on the cameras, and all the doors to the outside were locked, so nobody got into that building. Um, and uh, it, was, it was one of those that, you know, you're just kind of laying there, and Miranda said, did y'all hear that? And I said, yes. And she said, well, what was it? I said, there's a man outside our door. And she said, that's what I thought too. Um, so that was an extremely interesting experience because it's one of those that I can validate that nobody's there, and we all heard it in the moment. Like, we, we, it was crystal clear what we heard. Um, so that was a very interesting experience for us. Are you get, are you getting any sleep that night? After <laughs> that? How, much, how, how easy is rest? Well, the, the, the funny thing is, is, is Jenny's Jenny's like, oh wow, that was cool, and then she was out. Um, I actually wanted to hear something else, uh, so I laid there for probably another oh. thirty minutes, just like, come on, do something else, say something else. Um, I think Miranda went out pretty pretty quickly as well. So yeah, it's one of those things where you know, again, once you really start doing this and you're into it, um, it, it it becomes more fascinating than scary per se yeah very interesting yeah because mm-hmm. i'm thinking like okay well i will be leaving i'm, I'm packing up everything right now <laughs> no i don't no, care but the what's locked Carden, all my Carden. equipment can stay in here i'm out <laughs> no Carden. see the the voice asked him to stay now you, you don't want to upset the voice right? yeah that's <laughs> true stay i would well, i, I guess would if he's making coffee i might hate <laughs> yeah there you go if he's making coffee <laughs> anything that makes coffee anything that makes yeah, coffee yeah, is, yeah, is, no. is <laughs> a-okay in my book <laughs> yeah that's kidding. exactly right uh, speaking of that so okay. how how do you prepare for those i mean I'm guessing that normal times you're kind of uh, working during the day and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but it sounds like you pull some regular all-nighters. Is there oh, yeah. um, some tips and tricks for making sure you're <laughs> staying up and coherent for, for ghost hunting? Well, well, there is coffee. There's a lot of snacks, some like <laughs> sweet, some like savory. So it's usually a mix of um, 
M and M's and uh, and Slim Jims, so uh, nice. <laughs> and nice. and so that's that's kind of what we that's kind of our go to snacks, I guess. Um, but you know, it's it is amazing how fast the night goes um, once we're in these locations. A majority of the locations that we go to, we're we're typically there for at least eight hours. Um, sometimes, you know, in the, in the case of uh, the Grand Old Lady, it'll roll into twenty four or forty eight hours. But a, a typical investigation lasts between 8 and 12 hours. And uh, so it, it really is amazing how fast the time goes. Um, but then the hard part after that is taking down the equipment and then listening to all of the audio that you captured and watching all of the video that you captured. Um, because once we leave, that's the next step. You know, we we go through everything that, that was recording that night. So, so Chrissy, I have a question, mm-hmm. and and please don't take it the wrong way. But you're dedicating a lot of time and energy <laughs> into this, and and obviously money and equipment. Mm-hmm. What's the point? You know, I mean, is this is this just for your own, or is this do you, do you do you hope to expand other people's knowledge? I mean, why are you doing this? A little bit of both, um, and that that is a very interesting question. You know, when we first started this, um, it, it, again, as it, it started out of that girls' trip, um, but when we really started delving into this, to me, mm-hmm. it really is about having that experience with these historic locations. Um, as I said, it's, it's one of those places. It's one of those things that. I get to go to these locations, these historical locations, have that tactile experience, put my hands on the bricks at Fort Mifflin, walk up the lighthouse stairs in in St. Augustine, and really get to experience that on a different level than most people will ever get to do. And if I can show that to the audience and and bring that um, awareness of these locations to the people that watch our videos, Mm-hmm. And, and maybe help preserve those locations through tourist dollars if they want to visit or at least, you know, donations or something like that. I think that's the main drive behind what we do. Uh, the, the the history part of this is, is pretty much paramount, um, even over the paranormal activity um, or anything sure. that we capture. So I, I think that has really become the driving focus behind this. Um, and, and then also to, to bring that awareness to say, to let people know that, that paranormal investigations – it's not like what you see on popular media, right? It doesn't have to be sensationalized. We're not running into demons mm-hmm. every two seconds. In fact, I've never right. run into a demon. Uh, and it's different than what's been popular uh, out there in, in, in media right now. So, mm-hmm. you know, for me, I do think it's it's that drive to really highlight the historical significance of these locations, um, followed by trying to highlight things that we can't explain. So, so um something you said earlier about, you know, the prisons being kind of a dark, you know, it's kind of a, uh, would you say kind of a dark mood Mm -hmm. about it? Mm -hmm. Right. So with, with that being said, would you ever go to someplace like Auschwitz? Would you, would you ever want to go to someplace that has such a, because if a prison has a dark boating Mm -hmm. feeling, what does a place like that have? You know, would you be afraid it's too much? I wouldn't be afraid it's too much from the standpoint of, of activity. Um, you know, Auschwitz holds it, it – it's a different place in history, right? I, I would like to right. go and highlight that place historically, um, but I think part of me would hold back on doing a paranormal investigation because of the, the sanctity of the location. Um, sure. that, that's a hard one. Honestly, I've never been asked if I'd go there. That says that's the first time I've been asked that question. Um, but in my mind, I'd like to go and, like I said, highlight 
the things that have happened there um, from maybe a little bit different perspective than than the you know what we we commonly see, and that's what we do right, with our our right. all of our videos. You know, if we can find um, a person to highlight or follow that person's story mm-hmm. through their entire mm-hmm. journey through that location, that that's kind of what we like to do. Um, so I, I do think if, if a paranormal activity or a paranormal investigation were to happen there, I do think the activity would probably be pretty intense. Uh, I think it'd mm-hmm. be a very intense investigation. Oof, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. <laughs> and, and you would have to go into that location Oof. with the right yeah. intentions, right? So, yeah, and, right. And, and, right, and I say that, yeah. by that I mean you have to go in with the respect level that it deserves. Um, you just can't yeah, go in there and look for a jump scare on a Friday night. Um, it has to be something that you really go in and, and respect and, and revere for its, for its position in history. Absolutely. No, so, so that kind of being said, and, and tie it with your um, kind of description of, so what? What are some next places? Are do you have some next locations kind of scoped out mm-hmm. um, um, that you would like to visit? Oh, absolutely. We already have several investigations that are that are planned out. Um, well, the first one is here in, in the jail that I'm sitting in. We'll be conducting routine paranormal investigations here. Um, but uh, we're going to Old South Pittsburgh Hospital, um, which is in uh, Old South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. Uh, we'll be doing that next year. Um, on my bucket list, though, we'd really like to do some international locations. Um, don't get me mm, wrong. I yeah. love American history and, and anything about the American uh, American history. But to go over to someplace like Europe that has a little bit more longevity, obviously, than what we do, um, that would sure. be a fascinating experience. I'd love to get to Leap Castle in Ireland. Um, the Monte Cristo homestead in uh, in Australia would be fantastic to go to. Uh, just some of those locations um, that, that have a little, a little bit uh, long, like I said, longevity, a longer lifespan than what we have here. Um, in the, in this country, I'd love to get to, uh, um, uh, the Stanley hotel. I've, I've been there uh, as a guest, but not as a paranormal investigator, the queen Mary out in California would be a great investigation location. And, and then really just highlighting those small locations that not many people know about. Uh, you know, back to the Mal Barker uh, house that we did, the investigation that we did mm-hmm. there, you know, that was something that even people in the community did not know that that uh, that the gun uh, the, the gun battle happened in 1935. It was only after mm-hmm. our investigation really caught on, um, you know, we started getting exposure from, you know, the newspaper and some magazines and um, some radio shows. And I had so many people come up to me and say, I never knew that this happened. I've lived here all my life and I never knew that this was in my backyard. And, and if we can highlight places like that that is is extremely intriguing to me as well very cool so and it sounds like that's fulfilling your purpose right mm-hmm. i mean that's uh, another whole reason that you're you're doing all of it which is which is very cool i think highlighting the historical portion of mm-hmm. of everything ties and ties it all together i think that's that's uh that's really fascinating mm-hmm. and i'm sure people really uh were fascinated by that they were they were close to the house and had no idea the significance you know i'm sure that was eye-opening for them it, it really was you know it really was so i think in that aspect we were able to kind of help propel that a little bit more with regard to um tourists um that would just visit usually they would just visit um you know because they they heard a little bit about the history but um after our investigation um really the, the video really started gaining traction um more people were visiting because of the uh, the paranormal aspect very cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So, so Christy, um, this is this is another question I've had in my mind for a long time. Um, and again, I know there's no right or wrong. I just want your take on it. Um, psychics, mm-hmm. you know, people that claim they can have these 
conversations with the dead. Um, yet, you know, as far as I know, it's never ever been verified. And when people pr put real scrutiny under them, it doesn't seem to pan out. Um, what, I mean, what do you think about that whole realm of these people that claim that they can actually talk to the dead? I do think that there are people that have uh, that are more intuitive, um, that have a little bit deeper awareness or um, have some empathic abilities um, to to really connect with some of these spirits. Um, mm -hmm. There are some, you know, out there that 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 profess to have them that I don't think um, really live up to um, their claims. But I, I've, I've known some people that have seen uh, and spoken to spirits um, that I feel are legitimate, that, that they've kind of corroborated some of the things that we found at some of these locations. I've never personally investigated with a, a medium or a psychic. It is something that I would like to do at some point, um, either have one go in before us or go in after us and not you know, speak in between and to see if they can validate some of the things that, uh, that we're seeing and hearing and, and vice versa. Um, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I do think that there are some people out there that are a little more intuitive that, that have a, a deeper connection than, um, than, than most of us. So my taking is on it, you know, I, I, I do ha I do believe that, that there is that ability. Yes. Well, I think the, the ones that get me are the ones that can basically at will communicate with whoever you know, whoever comes through their door and pays them. Mm -hmm. Oh, I want to talk to my Uncle Bill, and they can conjure up Uncle Bill. Mm -hmm. But you yourself said that your impression is that everybody doesn't just hang around. There's usually a reason mm -hmm. somebody's hanging around. So the odds that Uncle Bill, who, you know, had a normal life, you know, he probably wouldn't be hanging around. And I, I guess that's, I I would be open-minded to somebody having an encounter, mm -hmm. but, but somebody that claims they can do it repeatedly, mm -hmm and can do it at will with that's the i guess that's the one where i really struggle and i you know? and i agree with you and and any any medium per se is not going to ask you for money um you know like if like for us if, if, if somebody calls us into a business or a home we don't charge for that um that's not something mm -hmm. that we make money off of us All, everything that we do is self-funded and, and okay. you know so for example i had a friend um and and she was she was speaking to a gentleman and uh he he had a friend standing behind, beside him and she, and uh he said I, I think um you know she wants to talk to you she needs to tell you something and she said some things to my friend um that were that she could not have known um they, they didn't even know they were going to meet so she said some things to her that were interesting about her father that passed and um he, she she had no way of knowing that any of that information at all um so i i do and she didn't want any money for it she just said i i think there's somebody here that that wants to tell you something and uh it was it was very on point it was um you know it was something that was uh deeply personal and so on that level i i do think that that she was seeing something and hearing something um mm -hmm. uh, that my friend needed to hear so on that mm -hmm. aspect if mm -hmm. if if that brought my friend peace and um and and it was you know something that she could verify and validate as true i, I can't explain that that's something that you know sure. i just i can't i can't get past that but um you know right. those mm -hmm. those that that sit there and say well you give me a hundred dollars and i'll talk to uncle billy those those are the people that i think are charlatans okay yeah. okay interesting so you kind of mentioned that you've been requested to go into people's houses and, and mm -hmm. do kind of 
on call type of so what what does that um, look like and what is your your typical request well first of all they'll either call or email and the first thing that they'll say is don't think I'm crazy but um, 100 percent 100 percent of the people that have contacted us have started like that to don't think I'm crazy but there's something sure. going on in my yeah. house or something going on in my business uh-huh. and uh, you know it, yeah. it really is one they really want to be believed uh, they want somebody to um, really acknowledge that what they're perceiving is is what they're perceiving, right? Um, so when we go into a location like that, um, the first thing that we do is, again, like we do on, on any investigation, uh, we, we look at the environment. We look at, at some things that are around the house or the business, some things that are in the house or the business that could be causing this perceived haunting. Um, and I'd say probably seven out of 10 times, there are environmental factors that, that are causing the, the perception of a haunting. So for example, mm-hmm. we were asked to, uh, to go in and investigate this business. The gentleman had just moved into uh, to this business. It was a brick and mortar location. It had a glass storefront. He had some mirrors down the wall. He had a couple of display cases in there, um, and he had some night vision video cameras. And um, his claims were that the night vision video cameras were going off at all hours of the night. He could, there was no reason why. There was nobody in the building, and um, he wanted us to come in because he was certain that it was haunted. So we went in. We did the investigation. We stayed there for probably about four hours that night. Um, uh, we set up our night vision video cameras. None of our equipment was going off. We weren't feeling anything. But we left when we left the building uh, for the night, we left all of our night vision video cameras and our voice recorders running. And so when I came back in the next morning, I asked him if his cameras were, were um, picking up anything. And he said, oh, yeah, they were. They, they, were, they went crazy that night. And so I asked him for the timestamps, and I cross-referenced them with our cameras. And what we found was that the way his building was positioned, he was parallel to a road that had a high volume of U-turn traffic. And so at night, when a car would make a U-turn, the headlights would go into the building and bounce off the mirrors and into his night vision video cameras and essentially turn them off. Um, from from nighttime to daytime vision, okay. so it, it it looked like the cameras were malfunctioning, but they weren't. But the way they were the way they were positioned, he couldn't see the cars or the lights. But the way I had my cameras positioned, I could see the cars and the lights. And every time a car went by, was the exact timestamp that he gave me for his cameras. And so what I told him was either take the mirrors down or reposition the cameras to point at a different angle. And he did, and the the quote unquote activity stopped. So what we go in and do first is really look at those factors that that, that other people might not think of um, and see if we can explain it away that way. And and sometimes we do, um, but sometimes we also find things that are completely unexplainable to us. And then we'll sit down with the homeowner and and give them that evidence and and, uh, just kind of talk through options with them. Uh, so so one uh, how to i'm just thinking to myself as a homeowner and again yeah. i'd be like all right pack everything up okay. uh, but, I, i'd uh, like to know. see that list of options Carter. yeah that's what i'm saying so what are the options and how do you how to uh, gauge uh what are some reactions that you've gotten are, are yeah, people really? well, like, a majority are they relieved because they know it or what well a majority <laughs> of the people are like this is cool i live in a haunted house thank you and uh i'm sharing this with my friends now because i'm not crazy um you know it, it, in most cases wow. If the if the spirit of the entity is there, they're not bothering. They're coexisting with the homeowner, right? But they're just doing little things that that the homeowner notices, and it startles them, um, like moving something or you know um, closing a door or something like that in the home. 
Now, there have been instances where the homeowner says, well, I don't I don't want to live with this. I don't want it in here. And in that instance, we will contact um, either a priest or somebody who is versed in house cleaning uh, or house cleansing and um, or and or a demonologist if they feel that it, it, it has escalated to that level. Um, but, uh, you know, for the most part, it, they, they a lot of people are just are just really excited that they live in a quote unquote haunted house now. Um so yeah, that that's kind of that's kind of how we handle it. Yeah, McCartan. Mm-hmm. I mean, hey, you got a haunted, <laughs> you got yeah, a haunted does house. Not excite me. Just not just make sure to buy extra chips on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now we got this guy to feed too. If it wasn't enough already. <laughs> <laughs> so so Christy, I have a I have a scenario for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so the ranch where I live in Montana uh, was once the the home of a fort uh, or a trading post with the Blackfeet nation. And it was established in 1869. um, And it lasted until 1876. And then they moved the the reservation further north and it was abandoned. Mm -hmm. So there's a graveyard with roughly 48 graves. Um, And it's really not demarcated other than you can still see the depressions in the ground from the graves. Mm -hmm. So I like to metal detect. um, And you know, I'll, I'll go, and you'll find interesting things like you'll find old military buttons and belt buckles. Awesome. Now I've never metal detected by the graves, mm-hmm. right? Just that common, that combination of what you hear about uh, ancient Indian burial grounds mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. things like that, and and just respect, right? Just just respect. I would never go over there, but. Do you feel, okay, because the, the storyline yeah. would be, I yeah. find something cool, I bring it in my house, and my house is now possessed. Uh, so, <laughs> Wait, do is, you, wasn't there a documentary about that, like the poltergeist? Uh, well, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so so what, I, my, what I'm asking, Christy, is do you feel there is attachments with physical things, or do you, do you think spirits act in that way, or is that just Hollywood? No, I do think that there are instances where a spirit is attached to a physical object. Yes. Um, first of all, back to your scenario, I would absolutely never take anything out of a cemetery. I mean, my, my grandma hammered that into us pretty hard that you don't even take a feather or a rock out of a cemetery. Um, so you just leave that where it is. Um, but, uh, you know, (laughs) I do think that, um, that there are instances where uh, a physical item can have an attachment. Absolutely. So, you know, if you've got, uh, just for example, somebody, uh, a gentleman who is attached to a watch or a you know pocket watch or something of, of that nature I, I, mm-hmm. I do believe that there is is a possibility of that having an attachment absolutely Jeez. yeah mm-hmm. well I, I found some interesting like, things like, but not in the yeah, <laughs> not in the graveyard there you go. well I found yeah. personal artifacts we found uh, earrings and oh. a pocket knife and buttons and cool. uh, matter of fact Very on cool. my desk as I'm sitting here I have a a lens out of somebody's uh, spectacles. Oh, that's so right? cool. And then I have a, a cool. glass bead, uh, a handmade glass bead. It's a turquoise glass bead. Wow. So, I mean, you find interesting things, mm-hmm. but again, I I stay away from the graveyard. But I had an interesting experience. There was a, there was a native couple that came down. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the current reservation is up in northern Montana, and there's a town called Browning that's on it. Okay. And a native, a native company, or couple, excuse me, that is from Browning, came down and they, they happened to see me on the road and they pulled in and they said, you know, we'd, we'd like to go to the graveyard. And they didn't know where it was at, mm-hmm. but they'd heard about it. And she says, I believe my great, great grandmother is buried here. Oh, wow. Okay. So we, you know, and, and there's really no way that we don't really know. There's very loose records on who's buried there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and the circumstances, why they're there is even looser. But she felt very strongly that, that she was there. And a lot of Native American 
Americans are very spiritual anyway. Mm -hmm. So she went and walked around and she said that she felt her grandmother's presence, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and it was really interesting. I just kind of stayed back and just let her do her thing because she walked around. And um, but it was it was remarkable to me because she felt a real connection. And I don't think anybody spoke to her or anything, but she just said, "Yep, yeah, you know, she's here." Mm -hmm. And I thought that's it's it's incredible, really. And you know, I've never had any experiences there or anything. But you know, of course, I'm I'm not related to anybody that could be there. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, yeah, that that's fascinating. You know, for me, the the Native American um, influence. It really is prevalent in some of these locations that we go to. Um, as I said before, we're, we take trigger items, what we call trigger items, to these locations, and and those would be things like like the uh, the days of our lives in in Moundsville, West Virginia. And so it it when we go to some of these locations, we will play Native American music in an attempt to get spirits to communicate with us because the Native American really? influence in some of these locations, for example, Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary, you know, is built, it's in Petros, Tennessee, um, you know, right in the in the, the mountain range there, right in the valley between these two mountains. Um, and it was at one point Native American land. And so when we went there, we played Native American music and we, we felt we got some interesting responses because of that. Um, one of them being a shadow figure that ran across the gymnasium right in front of us. And uh, so, so yeah, Native American and, and that entire, that culture and belief system is absolutely fascinating to me. And uh, I, I have no doubt that she probably felt, you know, she felt the presence of her ancestors in that, in that cemetery. Hmm. Well, Christy, the invitation's always open if you ever <laughs> want to come out to Montana. Oh, I would, yeah. I'd love to. I, I've ridden motorcycles <laughs> through Montana. I used to live in Colorado. Um, so I've ridden motorcycles oh. through Montana and just absolutely love it out there. Yeah. Well, there's, and, and there's, there's a lot of history, mm -hmm. um, you know, Native American and otherwise. So, um, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I may have to take you up yeah, on that. that truly amazing. <laughs> well, like I said, the door is always open. Um, well, okay, Cardin, do you have any, I mean, wow, I told you the hour is going to go by fast. <laughs> yeah, it just absolutely flew. I'm still, um, I'm just glad. I'm thinking back of, uh, of a, a, a podcast we did with um, Pete Townsend from up there talking about, UFOs, and at that point, it was pitch black, and I was in a room. I'm just glad this sound is still <laughs> while we're uh, we're able to discuss this. Uh, I'm just, did did yeah, you just I'm say we thankful. did an interview with Pete Townsend? Oh yeah, no, not Pete, not Pete Townsend. Pete Howard. We, we didn't we, we didn't we didn't get him on Pete Howard. I was gonna say I missed Pete Townsend. What? Yeah, you were on that. Was that? Yeah, I, I remember you you being um, uh, silent for that one. Yeah, yeah. he's episode oh, forty. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, he's next. Yeah, he's next. That's exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah, exactly right. Well, Carton, did you have any other questions for Christy? No, I mean, I I've, I do have a million, but we'll we'll yeah. just have to have you back on. I mean, I just I, even just digging into it experience by experience would would be very interesting to me, and yeah, and even I think it'd be really interesting to how you would set up and and say you were going to Blair's place. But um, I think that's a perfect setup to to have you back on. It would be excellent. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would love to come back on. It just it's been a, a real pleasure speaking to you both. Well, and the fact that it's a never-ending thing, you know, you're next time we we speak, you're going to have all these great experiences and yep. stories. So mm -hmm. definitely, um, okay. So Christy, we did warn you. you know, we're yep. we're at that point in the show. It is that time. Um, yep. It is that time. <laughs> it is time for the monkey moment. So you've had you've had roughly an hour to dread the introduction, <laughs> <laughs> or look forward to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, so Christy, if you would give us your best monkey imitation. 
<sighs> that was good. That was, that was good. fantastic. Yeah, that was fantastic. That was I really love the good. apprehension, and then she she's just dove yeah, in. She's like, okay, let's just do it. it. I really yeah, don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm just going to go Rip for it. Rip the bandage off. Let's do this. Exactly. Very good. Okay, so... Uh, like I explained, the monkey moment question is usually kind of a random one, but this is a repeat because um, the episode we asked this one, Carden was gone. So I'm curious to hear Christy and Carden's take on this. Oh, okay, oh, I'm getting see, I'm I'm getting thrown off too. Okay, yeah, that's right. So the question is, if you could become immortal, would you? Mm. And I've already answered, hmm. so I'm gonna let you two mull it over. If you could become immortal, would you? All right, Christy, I'll, I'll, I'll go first and let you think. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think, nope, I don't. I think if if the question was different and I got to choose an amount of years to live, like say like 500, no. I'd be okay. But total mm-hmm. uh, immortality, no, I can't do it. Yeah. I'm already, It's only Wednesday and I'm already tired of this work week. <laughs> so can you imagine what it would be like in 250 years? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I don't think so. Nope, nope, I don't. Uh, I would not want that. Yeah, and that I'm, doesn't sound enticing. I'm going to have to go with Cardin on this one as well. I just, it, um, it, it doesn't, uh, not, that doesn't, in, in, no, that doesn't appeal to me. Immortality doesn't appeal to me. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Well, we're 100% <laughs> because that was my, and, and it was interesting because the, the one of the people that was on the podcast said, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. And he mm-hmm. envisioned a lifetime of fun and and my my mind went to kind of a darker place of you know everybody you know uh-huh. everybody you love you know mm-hmm. they're gonna they're gonna go away and you're gonna be remaining so mm-hmm. and it and it also like I guess the analogy I came up with and I would be interested to hear your guys's take is you know it's kind of like if gold became as common as dirt then it's not gold anymore right Ooh, nice and it, 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 well it's just That's true. you know it wouldn't really be precious mm-hmm. anymore and if life right. was infinite um, I I think. It wouldn't be so precious yeah. anymore. Yeah. I mean, that was my take. What do you guys think? Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's that's a fantastic analogy. Yeah, I agree. I, I think my my head instantly goes to there's nothing new under the sun. I think you know, give me 200 extra years, and the experience might look different, but it's all the same. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and and you're right. When it doesn't come precious anymore, then the experience isn't precious. So mm-hmm. you don't you just on to the next thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So no, well, I don't. Well, yeah, no. exactly. And, and, you know, and I, I would have to assume we would form new relationships. It's, it's, you know, Certainly. it's kind of like yeah, you have your you favorite have dog, your dog dies, you buy a new dog, but you may replace the dog, but you don't really replace the dog. Right. You know what exactly. I'm right. Yeah, of course. And right. so interesting, but, interesting um, question. well, listen, okay. So, so Christy, one more time, soulsistersparanormal.com. I'm actually excited to get on. Now I, I listened to some of your your tapes that you had on there, recording, excuse okay. me. Um, but now I want to go back and I want to hear, I, I want to listen more. So um, I, inc- yeah. I encourage I'm going to do it tomorrow to- at about 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I'm not jumping on tonight. I'm not doing it. Well, you know what, Christy, I'll be honest. Sometimes you're watching those shows, and this is this will be a topic for a, ne- a next one, but you hear these recordings and there's this really kind of grainy <laughs> and they go, you know what he said? He said, I'm going to get you, <laughs> you know, and it really wasn't discernible. It's like, did he say that? Did he say or that? Yeah. so yeah. on your recordings, 
did you really hear what you thought you heard? I mean, was it clear enough where you go, yep, that's what he said? Well, so when we when we go through our, our audio, um, if as we're reviewing it, how we do it is if we find a clip that we can't explain and we feel that it's not one of us, um, I'll clip that 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 section of audio and I'll send it to everybody else on the team and I won't tell them what I'm what I'm hearing. I'll just say, can you hear anything on this clip? And mm-hmm. um, then we'll, if they do, we'll come to a consensus on what it says. Now, I mean, there may be some instances where we all hear, you know, waterfall, but it's actually saying watermelon. Um, so when we say, when you watch our videos, we always say, we believe they said, or we believe we're hearing this. Um, and there are some instances where some members of the audience won't be able to hear it. Um, we play it back three times in an attempt to let you hear it. Um, but uh, for the most part, the ones that we put out there as, as evidence are, are pretty clear um, for the most part on what they're saying. So I would recommend going to um, watch the Grand Old Lady um, or the uh, the uh, Attila County Jail video. Those are two examples that have um, EVPs that are pretty good. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I just, uh, you know, personally, I love how you're not trying to sensationalize this. Oh, I, I love your approach. I, I love yep. the fact that I can tell your academic background because it shows in your approach it, it's very data driven and methodical and i if i was going to do it that's exactly how i would do it too well thank you mm-hmm. i mean i yeah, just right. i i really think that's you know it it just to me in Cardin, what do you think it gives it validity oh yeah for sure and, and just the fact that the very first thing you said is we want to do it in a different approach research-based mm-hmm. and, and really investigate and the the fact that you've brought up times where you said <laughs> This is this is cars making U turns, you know what I mean? <laughs> right? So right. You, you balance, yeah. yeah it's a, it's an excellent balance, and it's fascinating to uh, to hear you talk about your experience. Well, thank you. I appreciate you know. that. Looking forward to the next time already. But Certainly. okay, well, uh, Christian Carden, episode thirty nine, in the books. That's a wrap. We did it. <laughs> Very nice. So, uh, Christy, thank you again so much for taking the time to come on and share your experience and your knowledge and stuff. Um, looking forward to the next conversation. Absolutely. And if y'all ever want to go on an investigation, let me know. Oh. Okay. <laughs> we might have to take you. Apart. Okay, let's do it. We actually might. But I'll just be prepared. You're going to be hearing a lot of screams. Yeah. You will be able to explain. <laughs> it, it wouldn't be any fun with Cardin because you're going to be weeding out all these screams. You're going to go, no, nope, that's like Cardin. No, no. That's Cardin screaming. That's all right. We, yeah, we can handle that's it. Not a, that's, that's not a banshee. Screech. Yeah. That's, that's Is that a, a banshee? Ooh. Nope. Nope. That's Cardin too. Well, no, that's there. Cardin's <laughs> monkey impression. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. Exactly. Well. All right. Well. Until next time. Uh, episode thirty-nine in the books. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.